Hey, good morning, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, have you ever thought about this? I'm sure most of us would rather receive good news than bad news, right? I mean, good news picks us up, lifts us up, we enjoy it. Bad news often brings us down, can crash our world, and all kinds of other things that go with it. Now, it's easy to find bad news today. With 24-hour news channels always blaring, it's easy to pick up on the bad news. Occasionally, we hear a good news story, and occasionally, maybe you hear good news. What makes news good, by the way? What is it that makes good news good? What is it that can take a simple statement, a simple message, and make it a joyful experience in your life? Maybe it's those simple words that you're going to have a baby, and, and you get so excited, and it's such a joy in your life. Or, or maybe the simple message is the job's yours. You got the job. That certainly can bring good news that's exciting to us. Or, or maybe it's you hearing those words, you're cancer-free, or no, it's not cancer. Certainly words, simple messages that, um, that bring us real joy. I don't know if you remember, but in 2002, for nine coal miners, the good news they heard was somebody is up here and somebody does know that you're there. Uh, do you recall the story? It happened outside. Nine miners, coal miners, were stuck in a mine shaft. Um, they had gone down to work that day. They were working in a particular shaft that was next to another shaft that was, um, had been closed down due to the fact that it was filled with water. Uh, their mine, their, their shaft caved in, and when it did, the breach in the walls allowed the waters to come in and begin to fill up the shaft that the nine miners were in. They scurried to the highest place they could find. They were 200 feet below the ground level, and yet they were trapped because the entrance was blocked now by water. They stood in the dark. They sat in the dark. Helmets. And as they sat in that dark place, they knew their lives would most likely be lost. The water was rising. The air was thinning. They looked around at each other and knew only what they and did only what they knew to do. And that is they took a big piece of iron and they hit on the, the roof of the, the room that held them there, that trapped them there, hoping that somebody would hear, uh, somebody would recognize that they're down there. <clears throat> they must have wondered as they rapped on that ceiling, is anybody up there? Does anybody care? Do we have any chance whatsoever in life? As day one passed and then day two and no word, no sign that anything was happening, completely unaware of what was happening on the ground level as people were trying to start to dig down. But in that cave, in that, in, in that shaft, in that place of darkness, the water's rising, the air continues to thin. At some point, they looked at each other and realized that death was almost imminent. They began to write notes to their family on some they had found and some pencil that they had found lying in the shaft. And they, they saw a white bucket uh, uh, and, and dropped the notes into a bucket saying goodbye to their family and then just sealed the bucket and waited to die. It was as though there was no hope for them. Shaft that went off some, some 200 feet um, to their, to, to, off to one side, and, and they heard a noise in that shaft. One of the men went down to see the noise, and they found that there was a pipe that had been cut through. A, they had drilled a six-inch hole to allow a pipe to come down and pump in some air, so the men immediately knew that someone was there. 
you think it was when that man went back to his colleagues, to his friends in that, in that dark, dim, dangerous place, in that mine shaft where they were destined to die, what do you think they thought of the news when the man said, somebody's responded and there's hope? Wow. That, to many of us who were watching the news channels, was news. To those men, it was good news. We need good news, and I have good news for you today. Our song today, our carol today is Joy to the World, and, and we're going to come from the perspective of, of a group of shepherds who heard some good news. For the shepherds, there was a good news that would bring tidings of great joy, announcer of the message said to them, and this joy would overflow in their hearts, and this joy would be re, uh, 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 multiplied and resounded to all of us through the years until it even comes to us. The message that they heard that day was, somebody is here, somebody has come, somebody has come to rescue you who sit in darkness and dreariness all of your life. Wow, what a thought. What made it such good news for these miners? The fact of their desperation made the news good. The fact that they had new hope made the news good. The fact that they had another chance at life made the good news good. And the same is true of the good news that we're going to see today that comes from the shepherds. Now, how do we respond to good news? Think about that just a moment. How do we respond when good news is given to us? Several ways we can respond. We can choose not to believe it. It's our, it's our choice, and if you don't want to believe the good news, you, you, you don't have to. And maybe it's okay to not believe everything. But then ignore it, right? We can believe it or, and, and know it's true, but just not want to pay attention to it, not want to see it, not want to deal with it. How many of us have watched the, the bad news that came out of Kentucky and, 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 and other parts of our, the north through these tornadoes that just passed through. And I don't know about you, but I confess that there were times I just, I knew it was true. I knew it was. But you know what? I just wanted to turn off the television. I didn't want to deal with it. Different to it, right? We can have something that we believe, hear news that we believe, and just decide I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm just going to sit on it. Or we can believe it and act upon it. We can believe the news and act upon it. So I want to look at a couple of things today. I want to show us or, 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 or look together today and observe the, the good news that came to these shepherds from long ago and how they reacted to it because I think it teaches us something for today and helps us to see there is good news available to us, but how we respond to it is important, is critical. So how do we respond? Well, let's go back some 2,000 years ago. We're going to be on with, this, with some shepherds who are sitting on the hills of Judea outside and around Bethlehem, a little no-named village, a little town with just a few people, not important for uh, many reasons. But on this night, it was important because the Savior had come, because Jesus is born there. After the birth, something occurs on those of Judean hills where those shepherds are gathered that is a records it for us in his gospel, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Luke says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. The first thing we notice is that Luke tells, 
Luke is known for writing in detail and being very meticulous about all the details he writes about, tells us that on the night when Jesus was born, just outside the town of Bethlehem, just a ways away from that manger, uh, it were shepherds, shepherds watching their flocks. The sheep that were on the hills there were a common sight. There were many shepherds and many shepherds on those Judean hills. The sheep belonged to the priests, and the sheep were destined to be sold in Jerusalem as a sacrifice for sins or as people would come to the Day of Atonement and they, they would travel from all over the world. They would purchase sheep that were raised there in Bethlehem. And uh, so these shepherds are watching those flocks. It's interesting notes that they were watching their flocks at night. Now, I know we can't make too much of this, but it is important to see that when Jesus, the light of the world, is born, he comes into a dark night. He's born in this dark night, or at least this message is given at that time. Now, that's important because, listen, we all sit in darkness, right? We all sit in darkness even today. We're not stranded in a mind shaft that's dark, but we are surrounded by the darkness of this life. So here we have the shepherds. They're sitting in a dark night, watching over the flock. There's no light. It's not very bright. All I have for light is the moon and the stars. There's no street lamps. There's no house lights that are dotting the sky. No, there's nothing there except that dark, dark night. And then something happens. Look at verse 9. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news. There it is. I tell you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. Who is the Messiah? The Lord. Seeing that angel was a terrifying experience. There in the night, the shepherds are on the hillside. The angel appears to them. As the angel appears, they're terrified. Every time we see angels appear, by the way, men are terrified. But these angels quickly say, don't worry, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Seeing the angel was a terrifying experience. Maybe it was because the sky lit up, the, the surroundings lit up. But I want you to notice it was not the angel who emitted the light. It was not the angel that shined in brilliance. It was the glory of God. He says, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The angel wasn't the light. Now, we need to see that. That's very important because the scriptures tell us that God is light and that light has come into our world and, and in him is no darkness at all. And so there's a very important moment, a very significant statement here from Luke as he tells us that the sky lit up, the, the bright light began to shine for these men and they listened as the angel came with an incredible message. The message for these shepherds, very similar to the message to the coal miners, there is somebody here, and there is somebody that cares, and there is hope, and there is light to be found in the darkness. So what made their good news good? The angel said, I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy, as one translation puts it. Good news for you guys. And what was that good news? Warren W. Wearsby said it this way. Love Wearsby. He's a great commentator. He said, what made their good news good? Actually, that's a question. Let me read it again. What made their good news good? Not that God had sent a soldier or a judge or a reformer, but that he had sent a savior to meet man's greatest need. Wow. 
Good news. There's something very unique about this verse in Luke's gospel. Very, very unique that you don't want to slide by. In fact, I think it tells us, reveals to us why this news that the shepherds got was good news. It was news that, that, that Jesus had been born, yes, but it was more than that. It wasn't just news for information. It was good news, something very important, not found in any other verse in the Bible. Nowhere else in the Bible will you find the three words, Savior, Christ, and Lord together in one verse. All three of these words are used to describe, very descriptive at times of Jesus, but we never see them together. We see them separately. He's mentioned as the Savior, the Christ, Lord, but we don't see them together except for here. Now, I think that's very important. This surely is good news, but but it's good news. Why? Let's talk about that just a moment. I think the answer is found in those three words. First of all, It's good news because our Savior, our Deliverer, has come. He says, a Savior is born this day. A Savior, one to take away our guilt. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the angel says. If you've ever sinned against God, you need a Savior. Well, you have sinned against God, and so have I. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all in need of a Savior. The angel said to Joseph, you will call his name Jesus. We're talking about the baby that was to be born. You'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It's very important. We all need a Savior. We're sinners. Thus, we need one to stand in our stead. Those shepherds understood that. They understood. They knew that the sheep that they were watching over, the sheep that they were raising, would one day become a sacrifice for the sin of some individual, some person who would offer it in the, in the temple just a few miles away. They understood that. Do we understand that? Do we understand that we need a sacrifice for our sins, that we need a, a, a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice to cover our sin? John understood it. John the baptizer, you remember when he saw Jesus as he approached the Jordan River and and when he first introduced him, John looked at the crowd, a crowd that had gathered there to hear him preach. John looked at them and turned to Jesus and said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here is our Savior, the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice acceptable for our sin. Only God can forgive sins against God. <laughs> That's why God sent the eternal Son of God into the world, because He is God. He is Savior. Secondly, this news from the, from the angel to the shepherd is good news because we see that God keeps His promise. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ or the Messiah, according to what version you read. They're both um, uh, translations, they're both both translating the word Christos, it means the anointed. Christ is simply the New Testament version, if you will, of Messiah, the long awaited Messiah. The, the anointed one of God, the long-awaited one, the one who had been promised 600 years before, they had been waiting for for hundreds of years, the long-awaited Messiah had finally come, finally there. This is that long-predicted one that many were beginning to think was hopeless. Nobody's hearing us. Nobody's hearing us bang on the ceiling. Nobody's hearing us. We are here in, in darkness and we're here with no hope and begin to lose that hope more and more over 400 years of history. And now this promised Messiah 
has come. God has kept his promise, a promise to us, an assurance to us that he will fulfill all the hopes and dreams and all the promises of mankind, all the promises he's made to mankind, all the promises that we have in his word are sure. All of the promises that we have can be trusted. God is truth and cannot lie. Wow. Here we see an affirmation that the promise of God is fulfilled. A Savior has come, and that Savior is the Messiah, the long-promised one. But third, it's good news because the suffering of the present will be vindicated in the future. We learn the suffering that we now are going through will be vindicated in the future. He says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. And here's our third word, the Lord. The Lord, our conqueror. The Lord sent to defeat all our enemies and make us safe and, and make us satisfied forever. The ruler, the sovereign, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the ruler that Isaiah spoke about years ago. All of this is good news to us because we are in need of a Savior, a Messiah, an anointed deliverer of God. We are in need of a Lord, a master, a ruler, a conqueror. Much like those miners, we sit in darkness today and wonder if there's hope. Wonder, is there anyone up there who cares? Is there anyone here who knows my situation? And the announcement to the angel says to the shepherds, yes. And it says to us, yes. Now, there's one final thing that I want to mention, why this is good news. I'm convinced it's good news because this is not just folklore. It's not just church tradition, but this story is real. Sometimes we get so caught up in the Christmas tradition and the way we read the story that, that we almost look at it as, a, as, as folklore, almost as some kind of tradition passed down from our parents and their parents and their parents and some that are passed down through the ages. And it, we get so wrapped up in the tradition and so lost in the fanfare of it and, and so lost maybe with the mixture of things that we look at that are tradition and our lore that we forget. This is a real story. It happened at a real time. We know that thanks to Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke, as I said, was very specific in his writing, very detailed. And he made sure that he began the chapter that we're reading right now. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, you'll see that Luke was very detailed in saying, in the days of Caesar Augustus, it happened in the days of Caesar Augustus, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, that a taxation, a registration went all through the land, and the people went to be registered, everyone to his own city. That's what brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem from Nazareth. But notice that he named the time. Historians, archaeologists have now proven that these people existed, that these were real Roman leaders, that these were real people in a real time. And so when we look at this story, understand it's real. It's a real time. Paul said it. We saw it last week. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. At the right time, God sent forth his son. It is a real time. Secondly, this is a real place. Unto you is born this day, a real time, in the city of David, Bethlehem. It's a real place. It's not just a made-up land of, of, of our imagination. It's not just the, the, the nice idea of some writer who decided to write a story. This is a real place. 
Bethlehem, the house of bread. Just a little town, five, six miles out of Jerusalem. Just a little town, not known for anything, except that it was a place that we now recognize that the Messiah is born. The city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It's real. I've been there. I've seen it. Many of you have been there. Many of you have seen it. Even if you haven't seen it with your eyes, you've seen it in pictures. You've seen it on, on TV screens. You'll definitely see it if you tune into a news channel on Christmas Eve. And you'll see there the worship that takes place at the church of the nativity. It's a real place and a real time. These are real people. These are not just people made up. Mary, Joseph, real people. The shepherds, men just like you and I. Ah, These are real people. Real time. Real place. And I think maybe the most exciting thing to me is it's, it's, it's a real promise. This is a real promise to you and I. Not just to the shepherds 2,000 years ago, but to you and me. Unto you is born. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior. We need, I need a Lord. I need a Messiah. I need a Savior. Unto me the promise is given. You're given the promise of eternal life. You're given the promise of eternal salvation. You're given the promise, the good news, that someone does care and someone does know. And while you're sitting in darkness and hopelessly thinking that you're just waiting to die, there is good news today. And the good news is there is a Savior, an anointed one. There is a ruler who wants you to be part of his family. And his kingdom. And he's invited you to come to him and trust him. Now, how do you respond to that? I know how the miners responded when, when news came that there was a drilling taking place. I know what happened and how the, how the drill, how the, how the drill, and the shaft was immediately drilled for their escape. And, and, and I know that these men got out of their dangerous situation and they, they got a new chance at life and, and they were rescued. I know how they responded. Nobody had to tell them twice, hey, do you want to come go up the tunnel with me? No, they were ready to go. I know how the shepherds responded. Look what Luke says in Luke chapter 2. He says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And when the shepherds had left them, listen, when the angels, I'm sorry, had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said one to another. Basically, the shepherds asked each other, what are we going to do? How do we respond to this incredible news? Here's what he said. Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. How did the shepherds respond? They reacted to the news. They realized the good news. They realized the hope that was theirs, the promise that was there. They realized that this is real. And so they said, let's go. Let's act upon it. Let's see. What this is all about. How did other people react? Think about the news that began to spread in the city of Bethlehem. Surely the news began to spread about a couple that had come into an inn later, earlier in the day, and, and there was no room, and so they were born. And remember, this is a small town of just a couple of hundred people. Uh, they, the baby had to be born in a, in a cattle stall and laid in a, in a, um, a manger in, 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 a, in a very unusual place. The people of Bethlehem had to have heard, but... 
nothing changed in their lives. They'd heard the message. They'd they'd heard about it, but it's just another night, just another baby, just another birth. Nothing real big deal. Nothing changed. I think about the Magi. The Magi were invited to come and see also, and they went to great lengths to learn more. They brought gifts, and they worshiped the king. That was their response. Herod was also invited, by the way, but Herod fought the news for tooth and nails, right? Herod fought the news. Herod, he didn't know if he believed it or not, so he just killed all the babies just to be sure. Mary and Joseph, think about how they reacted on this night, how they received this news. It changed their lives forever. Their lives were impacted forever. I'm so glad for the response of the shepherds. The shepherds said, let us go and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. Let's go and see this baby and let's explore the reality of this news. This is incredible news. If this is true, it's incredible news. And my friends, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to respond to the good news in a similar fashion. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you have concerns. That's okay. But listen carefully. Why not take a moment to explore? Why not say like the shepherds, let's go and see this thing that the Lord's made known to me. Let me check into, let me ponder, let me consider what God is beginning to show me here today. I'm trusting that the good news that came to the shepherds that also came to us is coming to you today. I'm trusting that that good news will excite you and even drive you to the place of exploring to come and see this little baby. Joy to the world says, let hearts prepare him room that hearts prepare him room. I'm praying that there's room in our lives. How will you respond? How will you respond to the good news? Unto you is born this day, today, in the city of David, a Savior, a Savior who came to save you from your sins. The Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited, anointed one of God. God keeps his promises to you. He's extended you this good word, this invitation. Will you come? How will you respond? Will you surrender your heart to the Lord of Lords? The Apostle Paul wrote later to the church and he said, that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why not do that today? Would you bow your knee? Would you submit your life to him as Lord? He is your Savior. He is God's promise to you fulfilled. And he is your Lord. But you must acknowledge. You must react. That's the good news. How will you respond to it? Will you believe it? Or will you believe it and not act on it? Or will you choose to just ignore it? And hope it goes away? Will you believe it and respond to it? React accordingly. Right now, right now, your response of faith is what the Lord is looking for. Not particularly anything else. Your response of faith. Your surrender to him. If you'll simply pray and invite Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you, to fill you. If you'll surrender your life to him, 
all through prayer, you'll be amazed to see the hope and the joy and the peace that enters into your heart. The songwriter was right when he said it this way. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Can I just read these words? Think on them. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Joy to the world. Joy to your heart. That is my prayer for you this Christmas season. That you will receive the joyous good news that Christ has come to save you. And his promise is true. He'll always keep it. And he's come for all nations, regardless of who you are, you're included in the all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this good news is for all people. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your incredible grace. Thank you, Father, for your love to us. And thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I pray that in this Christmas season, many will hear this good news and will respond accordingly. I pray that many that are listening right now will give their under their lives to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. And may light and peace and joy fill their hearts completely. Amen. You know, there's one thing I want to say to leave you, and that is this. Christmas joy shouldn't end after Christmas. Christmas joy doesn't have to end. The joy of life doesn't end with Christmas because the truth of Christmas gives us joy eternal. There's someone waiting to talk to you right now. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have thoughts. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to, to know more about how to know Jesus as your Savior. I don't know. But right now, you can contact. Somebody is waiting. Just click that screen. Somebody's waiting to talk and share with you any way you need it. My prayer, my thoughts, my prayers are with you today. God bless you.